Hey everybody, we at Podgave Rock and Roll Do You want to make it clear that we don't mean any offense by our comments, critiques, or opinions. We're not music critics, just buddies that use talking about music as an excuse to hang out. Also, our language is intended for adult ears. Enjoy! Cause I'm in the shed house Wish I played in a rock and roll band Somebody give me a dollar bill So I can pass out Uh, y'all may have already talked about this, actually, while y'all were waiting on me, but um, pretty happy with, with how the Lakers played last night? Hell yeah. <laughs> pretty yep. happy. They were a little sloppy, but the fact that they did it without um, Braun and AD having like any kind of crazy games, they were able to coast and didn't play the fourth quarter. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. yeah, I still don't see them winning a playoff series, a seven-game series, but they definitely upgraded the roster to, from what it was. Uh, I, don't, I wouldn't say substantially, but it is a better team. It is an yeah. observably better team now. It's so much better. I, I think they could they I'd could make some substantial. noise. Yeah. I, I, they're definitely I, not I could, winning the title, but never never say never. But I, I'll say never. They're not winning the title this year. Get out of here. Uh, never, never count out LeBron in the playoffs. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it, it makes it more fun out living out here and watching them, that's for sure. Um, overall, like... I don't know. I haven't seen him play like that. Usually yeah, it's but, just like if Le- LeBron and AD aren't cooking, it's they're they're done. But anyway, on to music. Jordan, we like to talk about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame here as if it matters, just because it's fun for us to do on a rock and roll-centered podcast. And the 2023 nominations, not the inductees, but the nominations were released. And I'm going to ask you guys a question, but first I'm going to name the nominees. You have Kate Bush, Cheryl Crow, Missy Elliott, Iron Maiden, Joy Division slash New Order, Cindy Lauper, George Michael, Willie Nelson, Rage Against the Machine, Soundgarden, The Spinners, A Tribe Called Quest, The White Stripes, and Warren Zevon. So, pretty eclectic group there. I mean, you know, it says Rock Hall of Fame, but like if I read you that. You know, that's all music Hall of Fame, basically, is kind of what it is. So if I'm asking you, if you had a choice of three, I mean, it's not a right or wrong answer. It's going to be whatever bands that you love the most. Of three inductees out of that group, uh, who would it be? Neil, why don't you get us started? Let's see. Um, if I was trying to, like you mentioned, it's, you know, it's called the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but it's basically just popular music hall of fame but if i was trying to put on the best show or like what i thought was the most influential i would definitely go with the white stripes um i know i'm not a huge fan but i realize what they kind of did for (laughs) rock and roll um uh 20 years ago and then i would go with joy division new order and a tribe called quest i mean obviously lopper and michael and all that and even willie like there's a lot there's a lot to digest there, but those are my three. Okay, okay, Jordan, what uh, you got? Any differences or? Yeah, I got a couple differences. I feel like, without a doubt, Willie Nelson, even though he's more country than rock and roll, but yeah. he's yeah, legendary. I already, I already like, regret my answer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the one that stuck out more than anyone. It's like Willie for sure. Yeah. Agree on Joy Division, A New Order. 
they're just so monumental um, part of the culture. And then, man, the last one, that's a tough one. I think Tribe Called Quest just kind of love it. The impact the impact that they had overall. Could easily go Soundgarden, but I feel like Tribe Called Quest is more universal. Yeah. Like yeah. Even, even like Rock and Roll Heads or like Tribe Called Quest for sure is, is great. If I, if, if I had a fourth, it would definitely be Rage. I just went straight rock. I mean, I, I think it undoubtedly, like you said, Jordan, I mean, Willie is the most famous name on there. He would head, He will headline the class whenever they induct. Why is he not already in there? They just started doing country folk. Like yeah. Dolly got inducted uh, last year. And, you know, Willie turns 90 this year. He's having his birthday show at at the Hollywood Bowl in the last weekend in April. And the guest list is just insane. I think I'm going to have to go to that. Well, I looked at tickets and it was like they were only selling them as a two-day package. And, like, the cheapest one was, like, 700 bucks. I was like, fuck that. I was like, this is Los Angeles. The people who buy this package are going to go on Saturday get wasted, not want to go on Sunday, and I'm going to get a ticket for like $75. Question. If not for Stranger Things, would Kate Bush be on this list? I honestly don't know who she is, and I'm not <laughs> sure I know any of her songs. Did you watch Stranger Things? Yeah. Four? It's that song that keeps playing, that uh, the redhead um, that gets her out of the demon world or whatever. Basically, oh, it, I, after, after that aired, it shot to number one all over the world. And basically sense. revived her career. But uh, for me, though, my three, I would say, if I'm, I know I told y'all to, to not treat it as a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but when I thought about it, I just think Rock Hall of Fame. So I think Joy Division, New Order, Raging Against the Machine, and White Stripes. I think that would be the three that I do. And like, just with Willie being a, a level above all of those bands, mm-hmm. just in terms of his impact on music in general, he belongs in an, a, another tier of the Hall of Fame if you have Simmons Pyramid Scheme or whatever scheme. Not, scheme. <laughs> Not pyramid scheme. Uh, <laughs> the Bill Simmons Pyramid Scheme. <laughs> what, what is Simmons what is Ponzi Scheme? It's just, it's a, well, it's the, I mean, it's the, pier, the Hall of Fame. Or, yeah, yeah not, like the Pyramid Hall of Fame, whatever. <laughs> his tiers, his pyramid tiers, or his floors, I don't know. His tiers. Well... Um, I think for me personally, I would go Soundgarden over White Stripes, but maybe that's just because I grew up on them a little bit more. Yeah. But I would say, yeah, White Stripes has a bigger impact in Yeah, in I music. feel like it's a little early. A little early for the White Stripes. A little early? It's, yeah. It's that, 25 was... years. It's 25 years after your first album. <laughs> okay. is when you can... And here's what I would say to that, Jordan. I think when I think of that period of rock, Soundgarden is probably the fourth or fifth band I think of. And... When I think of the White Stripes period of rock, they're the first or second band. There's nobody really the else like them at that time. Yeah, I mean, it was, sure. it was them and the Strokes that were basically yeah. kind of defining what was going to go on in rock right. music from like, you know, 99 or 2000 on. I met this girl in college one night. We didn't, we didn't hook up or anything, but we were talking and she was from the town that he's from. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, the White Stripes, they love the White Stripes. She goes, oh, yeah, I knew him. I, hmm. he, I knew a, a girl he dated, and I was like, oh, cool. I was like, did you ever meet him? And she was like, yeah. He was just a super big guy. He was really tall, and he just, like, like if you went over to his place, he'd just, like, watch me play guitar. <laughs> he you would know? just and tell just, you to was, watch him? Yeah. Just, we, she was like, I'd go, I'd go there with my friends sometimes, and we'd just sit there, and he would just play guitar and just be like, just listen. <laughs> and you'd be like, uh, oh, man. can we do something else? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> she was like, and you didn't want to be rude and leave. She was like, it's always very awkward. Well, super uh, annoying, but it worked out for him. That's probably why <laughs> we're talking about him right now is because he was relentless. Fair point. Fair point. And, and a reason that we were talking about Los Angeles sports earlier is because our guest this week and for the next three episodes is Mr. Jordan Ender, an old friend of ours, which uh, you probably assumed is an L.A. native. Uh, so welcome to Podgate Rock and Roll to you, Jordan. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so we always have a couple of questions we like to ask uh, the guest uh, during his first week. So since you're going to be talking about music, we got to let the audience know what your musical tastes are. So just give us a quick rundown of the type of music you like to listen to. Well, I grew up on rock and roll, then kind of got into um, more dance stuff later on in life. Uh, te- yeah. Techno, house you know, Latin house, acid house. Yeah, but rock and roll for sure. Guns and Roses, Appetite for Destruction, nice. you know. That was, that was the one. That was the one <laughs> at a certain age. That was the one. I mean, it, of, of course it was like, um, it was like Tiffany and, uh, what's her name? <laughs> uh, Debbie, Debbie Gibson. Gibson. Debbie Gibson, of course, <laughs> first. And then, you know, fr- Fresh Prince, and uh nkotb yeah and nkotb for sure of course <laughs> i got i got called jordan knight a lot um <laughs> okay okay so all right so we're going from rock into like more electronic dance techno type stuff but then Give all us- time all time i still got you know i have to say my favorite all-time band is ween and ah. sweet they Weed. they encapsulate a little bit of everything. They have a, a an entire album dedicated to country music. Um, yes. They have incredible love songs, rock songs, weird songs, hilarious songs. Um, yeah. I was um I was thinking about them today, uh, and it is great. Like I think on every album they have one just amazing love song. For which sure. Is really cool that they always at kind least of throw that into their at weird, least like like it goes from like spinal meningitis to like a beautiful love song yeah <laughs> spinal meningitis to love you find love in, in anywhere okay so <laughs> so getting some ween love on the pod for the first time i think oh nice they don't get enough of it uh so it's about damn time yeah, yeah exactly the second question we like to ask is give us your like top two or three favorite live shows uh, that you've been to. I've been racking life. my brain. That's really tough. I've been to so many shows over the years. <laughs> I would say one of my one of the best lineup collaborations I've ever seen was Ween, Violent Femmes, and Devo at the Universal Amphitheater back in like '98. Jeez, that's um, a good lineup. So that was pretty epic. Peak, yeah, peak Ween. Uh, definitely, definitely a good time for them. And then so many Coachella performances. I would say Snoop, yeah. Snoop and Dre was icon- yeah. iconic. Being there, with I was there, I was there with you on that. That for that. Yeah, one. I remember like looking back at Jesse and being like, "Is that? Um, <laughs> is that a Tupac? Hologram? Is that is that actually Tupac?" <laughs> and she's like, "I don't know. I think so." <laughs> and we were both just, I think maybe high on acid and just yeah. <laughs> who the hell knew she's what like, was going let's on. Just, let's just pretend that it is. Yeah. <laughs> it was that legit at the time, though, that I actually had to question if that was him on stage and he had risen from the dead. Mm-hmm. Right, give, give us one more, one more performance that you remember. 
<laughs> slash sticks out. Yeah, I would have to say Arcade Fire at Coachella as well, with all the yeah. with all the balls dropping, was epic. Ooh, nice. That or that or LCD sound system in the pit. I mean, when I actually yeah. when I actually knew them, because in <laughs> 2010 I like walked past them, but I didn't know them at the time. Yeah. And like I know a bunch of other friends who have had similar experiences. And so actually knowing all their songs and when they came back and seeing them with all of my friends. You said the pit. What pit? I don't know. You just find a little pocket at, at the front of the okay, at the okay. main stage. Oh, this was Coachella. Coachella, too. yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The mosh pit. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, all right. The last question is give me a new band. It, it, it doesn't have to be rock and roll. A new band that you've really been getting into the last, I don't know, couple years. Yeah, um, one name sticks out is this guy, Nick Hakim. Oh, yeah, I like him. Yeah, he's very, he's a very creative yeah. guy. His super, are... super vibey. Um, he's actually, he's playing. Out. He played recently oh. at, like, the Regent or something like that, and I missed it. I thought about getting tickets to that, but I just, I'm late. If it, it, Downtown, it's got to be a real special thing. Yeah. Head downtown at this point. Yeah, <laughs> especially from where you are. That's a trek. I haven't been downtown since I moved. <laughs> <laughs> well, Neil, you're gonna have to roll on down there with me sometime. And uh, <laughs> I would say I would say Krungbin as well, but I mean everybody knows Krungbin at this point. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Stuff. Talk about vibey. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they're they're straight vibe. <laughs> also talking about vibey. On, on that note, I was trying to get us here earlier, and y'all just wouldn't let me. But uh, on that note, you're listening to Podgate Rock and Roll to you. And this week we're vibing and uh, rolling it down there because this week we are talking about Paul McCartney and Wings' Let Me Roll It from their 1974 album Band on the Run, written by Paul and Linda McCartney and produced by Paul McCartney and released on Apple. Josh, I think you brought this song to my attention maybe 10 years ago. And for like a month straight, we did nothing but listen to this and like show it to people like, have you heard this song, man? And I, I think it's uh, super underrated. Like it's definitely one of my favorite McCartney songs since you introduced me to it. Mm-hmm. I do, for some reason, I, I mean, not for some reason it is, but I find it incredibly like romantic, full of passion, like. I just love like what he's doing in the song, just vocally, melodically. It's very unique. And just to that point, like I feel like it has a lot of balls and bravado. Like I just love the way he sings, You're Gonna Be Mine. Just it captures me. Um, yeah. The chorus is great. I think it's great lyrics, great melody. My heart is like a wheel. Let me roll it. I think it's just a fun, fun lyric to sing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know when I first heard this song, but like probably in college. But I, I've always loved this album. I mean, I would say, you know, Band of the Run is is a top probably 30 song for me just in, in music. I, I love mm-hmm. I love that song. And, 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 you know, I probably like that one and Jet off this album more than Let Me Roll It. But that is not a, I mean, that's not a negative thing. I mean, those are two amazing songs. And I think this song is really good as well. I mean, McCartney knows how to have a good time. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he just, you, he just puts out, a, like, you listen to a McCartney song, whether it's from the Beatles or solo stuff, and you're like, God, this guy just fucking is talented enough to really have fun and, like, sit with something, especially, like, producing. And, like you said, he's, like, fucking with his vocals. The vocal 
there's some effects on his vocal that I don't think you hear much on it's not as clean as his mm-hmm. vocals usually are and it's you can tell he's just kind of throwing shit around this amazing riff you know the melody's good the the, the lyric is fine you know his voice is always going to sound good but he just like has that got this riff the whole song sits there on this riff and it's such a vibe and it's such a good time and like you said there is passion there's a little mystery it's kind of spacey but it, it's just a lot of fun mm-hmm. agreed agreed about that riff for sure so my history with the song i don't I've heard it, but I don't know where I've heard it. Maybe from me 10 years ago. Yeah, it's it's one of those songs where I have no idea where I heard it first, but it just feels so iconic, like as soon as you listen to it. it the yeah. the main riff feels like it could be a, like on a Zeppelin album. Yeah. Um, it could be, you know, a White Stripes tune. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so cool. It's like just a really cool riff. Uh, a little bit more advanced and rocker rock and roll style than like a Beatles tune. But yeah, I was looking yeah. up some of the history and they were talking about how the effects on his voice, people were saying he was trying to sound like John Lennon and then he was kind of knocking that down a little bit. Maybe maybe he's rolling his heart to Lennon in this. <laughs> okay, I've seen <laughs> that. Keep that going. I've seen that talked about it is funny though like oh because paul was using echo on his voice like well yeah i I think millions have done that right (laughs) well and he he harmonizes with himself in the chorus to i mean to great effect uh but uh, you know vocally he's one of the best rock and roll singers i mean you know top 10 if not top five you know i mean i wouldn't put him ahead of i mean no he's right up there with plant and elton and you know, really any any of the rock and roll singers. I mean, melodically, he's just a fucking melody machine. Yep. <laughs> yeah. And he really is. Did you guys listen to that, uh, the version from uh, City Field, the one I sent? Yeah. I, sent, I mean, what, what do they break into that? at the end? Uh, Foxy, Foxy Lady. Foxy Lady, yeah. yeah. Which, sidebar, I hate that um, Wayne's World ruined that for me. <laughs> Because I, I was listening to the end, and I was like, what is this? And then I just saw, like, Garth. That's all I think about when I hear it. <laughs> uh, um, but, no, that version, um, that's really the one that I first heard. I think that's the one you introduced me to, Josh. And just, the like, the way he's really stretching his voice. And then you're going to be mine. It's well, so the good. funny thing about it and, and is, you know, melodically, this song is three chords. That you know the verse, the pre-chorus, and the and the chorus are all kind of a different variation of those three chords, but it's really around that riff. But he changed; he's able to do stuff with his voice melodically that that makes it interesting instead of just repetitive, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, it, da 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 da, you know, kind of typical like floating, mm-hmm. and then you're like, and like you said, the in the palm of my hand, <laughs> and you get some balls there. And then that pre-chorus is just all melody. Mm-hmm. Like, I mm-hmm. want to tell you how I feel. And then, you know, the let me roll it is just kind of a, that's kind of the payoff. I would yeah. say melodically, the pre-chorus is the best part of like, yeah. The, well, the just singing even, the even the lead up. My heart is like a wheel. wheel let me roll <laughs> it's it. just the way the wheel sets up the let me roll it is really cool. It rolls into it, right?
more passionate about his his girl or the joint that he's rolling? I think it's a little bit of both. <laughs> That's a good question because I we have a thing, uh, Jordan, that we call rock and roll lyrics, which is basically just gibberish that sounds cool, which is a lot of rock and roll. But I don't think this is that. I think it does like kind of approach it. But mm-hmm. I'm not really sure that it's like a cohesive thing i know he's saying here's my i'm gonna give you my heart by rolling it to you but if you if you kind of read there's not that many words in the song if you read the two verses it's a little confusing right yeah 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 and i was highly disappointed when i read that he was like oh it's it's actually about rolling a joint Um, which i don't i still don't believe him i'm like no (laughs) you think he was just full of shit stop trying to sound cool well it just like yes roll it yes but nothing else in the song really kind of I, I've never been led to think that it was about marijuana. <laughs> You're going to be mine. He was. He wanted to smoke that joint, but man, so bad. But, but that's a, that's the problem. <laughs> it, 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 McCartney always like if you read about the Beatles, like especially in the drugs, like he was always the one. He was always like the guy in the group that was like, "We're smoking doobies, bro. Yeah, fucking yeah. gonna roll it up. I, we did some acid last night. It was fucking heady, man. I went to like places I'd never been. And then you know Lennon and Harrison are like, "Shut the fuck up, nerd. You know, yeah. like it's <laughs> we're just trying to vibe and <laughs> meditate." And they're like, you're so talented, we're going to put up with your shenanigans. But, like, <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I didn't even read that it was about a joint, and I never thought that. Interesting. <laughs> now, there was a there was an interview where um, they were talking about the John thing, and then I think he was even, even trying to deflect. He's like, well, it's actually just about, you know, rolling a joint if you, you know. And well, it's in the palm of his hand. That Yeah, that, that, is, that, is, that is definitely one of the lyrics that works. <laughs> But then the second verse doesn't really work for, you know, that you're going to be mine. Mm-hmm. What? The weed? Like, yeah, it's and, obviously well, and, yours. You fucking are about to smoke it. Like, right. Well, my heart, and just my heart is like a wheel. Like, uh, you really love weed. Yeah, yeah he I've must never got, really I've, love weed. I've never gotten high and been, like, gotten super sentimental. That's not, like, I've gotten drunk huh. and gotten sentimental. I do every time. I don't get high <laughs> and get sentimental. I get high and I get anxious. That's why I I'm get paranoid. <laughs> You don't get, That's, you don't get like, yeah, just you get too cerebral. I get not, too cerebral. Yeah. yeah. I had to stop smoking weed because like in, in college, I would take a bong hit probably like, because I was an everyday, all day smoker for, you know, the first three years of college, yeah. I, I'd say. And every summer, because we had drug tests in high school, but every summer I, I smoked a lot. And I would, I hit, I'd start hitting the bong and I would literally, I'd get so high, I'd be like, I have to make myself breathe. Like in my head, right. I'd be like. I'm gonna stop breathing right. if I don't make myself breathe. <laughs> yeah, you don't yeah. want. Why that am happens. I doing this? You don't want that. I'm like, why am I, I doing this? You, it makes no sense. <laughs> oh, no. That that happened to one of my good friends, Jake. He used to smoke all the time, and yeah, got too high. I mean, you you get there, but you can always come back. You know, I was telling somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day about mushrooms because you know you have all this stuff about the psilocybin, the psilocybin, uh, psilocybin, you know, starting to become legal and. They're kind of coming out and being like, hey, we started testing this stuff and it was doing really good stuff. And I had a, ate way too many of them at the first Bonnaroo and had a bad experience. And I was just like, and I stopped doing drugs completely after that. But I revisited it when I was 30 and it's just like, oh, I can have a stem or a cap. And it's great. It's perfect. Right. You know, as long as I don't eat a fucking eighth. Right. Same. I can have a couple and I can get a little bubbly and I'm just like, oh, I feel so good. Yeah, my friend <laughs> makes some gummies that are great. 
and it's just like I take a little nibble, go on a walk. It's you know <laughs> just a little energy boost sometimes, mood enhancer. Yeah. Uh, do you see what McCartney's done to us? He's he's, yeah, he's getting us nibbling. He's, yeah. got, he's got us nibbling on psilocybin right here. We're rolling it, we're rolling it down the like highway of, of, um, of well, class class one drugs. I can tell you to take it back to music, um, that riff. I do really like it. I think it's really kind of badass. Uh, even like you mentioned, Jordan, uh, Zeppelin-esque. But it is, it's an awkward riff. You know what I mean? It's a... Um, it almost seems like he's playing it with the wrong hand. It seems very spastic, um, which is cool. Um, and just one thing I noticed about it when I was listening to some covers, they played it a little slower. It doesn't work. You cannot play that riff slower. Because it's it just, no. uh, then it turns into... It's just, it's very temperamental, that riff. I heard the Jerry Garcia band do a version of it, oh. like right, bef- right before we started this, yeah. and that was yeah. so slow. It was like a totally <laughs> different song. Well, well, hold up, fellas, we're starting. To, we're we're sliding under yeah, the covers I, a little I, early right now, so we'll we'll, we'll get to we'll, we'll get take to a little the, peek under the. We, we took a little peek to see what's under there, but we'll, we'll get there in a second. The the riff to me, I mean, this song, you know, Jordan. We talk about songs sometimes on here that are like you listen to them and you're like, okay, the writer of this song wrote this riff, and was like, this is fucking awesome. I need to write something around this, you know? And so, because you can tell, I mean, he plays the riff probably 60 times in this song. I mean, right. It is all the riff. Mm-hmm. He likes mm-hmm. the riff. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the song is just him writing something around the riff. It's really for you to live in this riff for, you know, three and a half, four minutes. And that's it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. But I would I would argue that I, I would bet he'd, wrote the song first and then the riff came after you think so what really no fucking way are you are you serious <laughs> yeah yeah I, you don't think he had the let me roll it my heart is like a wheel and then he and then there, during the verses he's like oh you know it sound cool here there's no way he just went i mean it's interesting that both of you guys are so so set on <laughs> or each each version i would say minus 150 i'm right <laughs> Okay, pl- I'll, I'll plus that. 500, you're right. I, I'll email Paul. <laughs> first first or song first? Or, or riff first or song first? Which one was it, Paul? <laughs> we'll, we'll, ask the, uh, we'll ask the audience. We'll put a, a poll out somewhere. Uh, that's, but, a good um, that's a good question. That'll be, that's a good topic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, but the, the one thing is, the riff is, I think, the most memorable part of the song. But it's also the song itself... It makes it a little redundant, especially at the breakdown. He really just plays the riff like 10 times. Like, all right, dude, I've already heard the riff enough. And then it's almost like an awkward going back into the verses from the riff. Mm-hmm. You know, like the last last time. It, and like if you listen to the recording, it's like, you gave me something. It, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like a half beat off a little bit. I don't know yeah. if you notice that. Well, I think that's what's cool about the whole song is it's it does seem like a bunch of stuff thrown together, just a bunch of weird ideas that like actually worked out. It's it's a very unique production. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think that's probably why is he he produced it. Like mm-hmm. I, I well, do he did think... everything. He played everything. Oh, on the song, Except organ, drums too. The credits say that Paul played, uh, you know, obviously lead vocals, guitar, bass, guitar, drums, and then Linda backing vocals and organ, 
and then there's a guy named Denny Lane who also did some backing vocals and played some guitar on it. So, yeah, pretty much wow. he kind of Stevie wondered this thing and did everything. And, you know, I, I do think this song may have benefited from another cook in the kitchen because when you listen to the live versions, having some a solo over that break mm-hmm. uh, and over that riff makes the song better. Like, some of the live versions are just so kick-ass. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, there's a guitar solo going or an it's, organ yeah, solo going. screaming for a solo there. And, and it's just kind of baffling that there's not one in there. And that's why I think going back to my, this song is was the riff, he plays the riff just like ten times. And then he's just like, all right, back to me singing. Yeah, <laughs> is there he's, a, a melody, he's a he's a mace, bass and melody man. Is there, a, was first. is there a organ solo at the end? Or is that um, only on the live version? The, the organ picks up at the end, at the and end. he does his little McCartney like, Hee! yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like, but yes, the live versions it like is really kick ass, right? You know, it, it goes up a notch to where they kind of the whole song can. speaks to me as a live version so much. Yeah. It's very anthem stadium rock, just like mm-hmm. that song comes on, that riff comes in, and you're just like. Eh. <laughs> I'm go. singing along to this. <laughs> it's easy lyrics to sing along to. Oh, yeah. It's, it's a super fun to sing along to. But that's why I also think, Neil, you were talking about the riff. And, and to your point, Jordan, that it's, it sounds like a live song because the recorded is so – it's so in, like, numbers. And yeah. Like, mm-hmm. like right on produced where it's like one, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, when you hear it live, it's a little looser. Mm-hmm. And it, it breathes a little more. Mm-hmm. Just to hit it one more time, um, I just love like That's what he wants the you little... to do. hit that giant. <laughs> <laughs> like he's just doing such cool stuff with his voice. Um, the way he does, like, like there's like eight notes in like. Like a wheel. Well, the last time he goes through it, he mm-hmm. really kind of delivers the goods mm-hmm. and, in that um, space. And one of my favorite parts is during the the Let Me Roll It, the chorus, like in those breaks, it's either the guitar player playing a sweet riff or Paul doing the, I want to roll it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Nailed that one. It's Neil's moving to Vegas and nice. to, uh, to, to join a Beatles cover band as Paul. Uh, he actually, Neil did, uh, we did Day in the Life uh, on this, and Neil did the Paul uh, vocals on that, if anybody wants to go back and listen. It is there in the archives. Oh, dope. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I guess I'm not certain if favorite part is the riff for everyone. Neil, right. what's your what's your favorite part? Going to be mine. That's, okay, the, the, that's the part that always spoke to me, like, and, yeah. just, and it's specifically that live version. Yeah, that's fine. Jordan, what, I, I what mean the riff. The, the riff speaks to me more than anything. Yeah, yeah. They, I think the riff. I mean, that's just like what I take away from the song. Even though, at a certain point, I get a little tired of it. The meat of the song is just perfectly like everything's just built around that riff, like the organ, the drums, and you know, real quick, just before we move on, the bass as well. It's such a weird bass line because it's just like boom. Boom. Yeah, it's I mean, super it, simple. It's it really heavy. It's just boom. It's like a fucking bell. It's like a boom. bass bell. 
Boom, 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 boom. Yep. A lot of time. A lot of times, it's just boom, boom. It it's just one hit. Mm-hmm. I noticed that. But it, you know, I mean, it, like you said, he's a bass and melody guy, so very, it does stand out. Very weird decision on both the live and recorded version. That time at the end where they do that bunum twice. It's like bunum, bunum. I, I can't, that always takes me off well, guard. Well, you know, it takes it. We talked about a song a couple of weeks ago, Jordan, where there was this little like, uh, let the good times roll, and they go, uh, when you're near, uh. and there's this just real subtle like, uh, in the song, and that's what that is for me in this song. It's like the. Like the double bunons. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Was that only in the, the live version that they do that double? Or it's, no, it's okay. No, no they, do, they do it in the recorded. Okay. Um, I think it's going into the yeah. breakdown. Yeah, yeah. And that, but mm-hmm. also that bunum allows the, it kind of gives a little depth and like breathing room for the riff to reset, right? Because it, it rolls perfectly into kind of the beginning of the riff. To, I keep mm-hmm. saying rift. Riff, not again. the, not the fish song. We're not talking about the fish song or fish I, I, or the fish album. I, I can't, I can't get away from it. You uh, just one quick fun fact is that Lennon recorded a song called Beef Jerky and used this riff in the breakdowns, which is really cool. Actually, if you if you've never listened to it, it's a musical. It's an instrumental kind of song that is just Lennon doing his thing and then occasionally breaking down into beef jerky, but then he just throws this riff in. So, obviously... Why is it called beef jerky? Like the song. Isn't he a vegan? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's got to be a vegan. You would think. Or at some point, I'm going to say at some point in his life he was a vegan, right? At least vegetarian. At least vegetarian. <laughs> exactly. Huh. Well, there's a lot of a lot of Beatles intermingling because this the main line was taken from Harrison from uh what I'd have you any time. Yeah. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's um the first track on uh, All Things Must Pass. That's right. Uh well speaking of beef jerky, I think that brings us to the vibe time portion of this podcast. So Jordan, I'm going to ask you to bring us into the vibe time portion in three, two, one. <laughs> Jesus. All right, so, uh, Neil, it's your song. What, um, when specifically do you want to hear it? Uh, I want to hear this when I'm uh, having a old fashioned on tap from Davy Wayne's. Oh, nice. That's kind of we were going there a lot when you introduced me to this song, and like I think it, it must have been on the rotation there. Yeah. I remember uh, meeting my wife Michelle there for a drink, and it came on the radio, and I was like, "Oh, you're gonna be mine." <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember those Davy Wayne's days uh, very well. And that song fits the vibe of Davy mm-hmm. Wayne's perfectly, I will say. Uh, for me, I, I want to hear the song like doing the dishes or vacuuming or just something I can zone out to, like something mundane that I just want something catchy and that I like a vibe I can sit in to get through it. And and this song works perfectly for that. Yeah. Oh, and secondly, I'd like to hear it live because I think the live versions are better. Um, yeah. 
Jordan, what, what, what about you? When, when, when do you specifically want to hear this song? Live, for sure. Live would be amazing. But also driving down the PCH, uh, beautiful sunset to the right, you know, coming back from, oh, yeah. a, coming back from a, a nice, nice hike. Yeah. Uh, yeah, nice hike. Maybe, maybe rolling a joint of your own. Yeah, little spliff in hand. Pulling off the side of the road, you know. <laughs> Watching that sunset. Air guitaring the shit out of it during. <laughs> yeah, only air guitaring if there's nobody with you, though. I don't know if I was with somebody. I'd just be like, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Maybe if they were doing it with me. <laughs> well, speaking speaking of uh, smoking a spliff on the PCH, that's gonna. It's time to slide under the influence and talk about the influence of this song. I'll start it off. But like I, you know, this is a, like you said, Jordan. It's it's Zeppelin it's in the attack. And it, it's like kinks and like moving forward, there's some white stripes in it. But otherwise, I just, it's just Beatles, you know, right? I mean, it's, it's got a Your Blues feel to it, which is a John song. And then it's also just got like I Got a Feeling and Helter Skelter and, and Back in the USSR and all of that good stuff that McCartney does well, where he like gives these fun like little ideas a lot of balls. And, uh, and this song falls under that category. The influences I felt definitely were like some Zeppelin, like the guitar riff has a very Zeppelin feel to it. There's a lot of uh, John Lennon essence too with the with the sound, with like the effects he's got on the vocals, kind of the guitar riff has that uh, that kind of feel as well. Yeah, um, we're going to make it a three for here. I had a tough time finding anything that I felt like influences because it's so uh, unique. But yes, I mean, Lennon, and specifically, I feel like even the guitar, it's, it reminds me of Come Together. Yeah, a that's a good Just one. Just kind of the guitar tone yep. and sound has that same attacky nature. <laughs> attacky nature. That's, that's hilarious. Well, speaking of threepers, I think that's a perfect time to slide under the covers and talk about the covers <laughs> of the song. Uh, Jordan, why don't you get us started on this? Uh, just give me one that you listened to and uh, enjoyed. So I think my favorite of the covers is the Elvis Costello version. Ah. It has a real nice endearing quality to it. Mm-hmm. It's just got a nice like super rock and roll vibe too. Yes. You know, just sounds stadium, want, feels like you're there, feels like I am not there, but I want to be there. So yeah, that, that really rocked. I thought that was a good, good cover. Yeah, I listened to the Elvis Costello one, and I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I would as well. I usually don't love him, but he, he brings a sincerity to the song that, that it actually works really well. Mm-hmm. Another one that I liked a lot is uh, the Lake Street, or the, another one that I listened to. I liked it enough. It, it's a Lake Street dive one. It, I didn't it really hate it until the singing started. Takes it into like an outdoors, sit down, chill festival type vibe. It's jazzy. Yeah, with the horns and. Was that a woman singing? Yeah, yeah, she's yeah, yeah. female singer. What What about you, Neil? Okay, um, yeah, I listened to a bunch as well. Uh, the one you sent, Josh, the low cut Connie is pretty cool. I really like the way it's produced. It sounds like they're just in a garage. Um, uh, the low cut Connie one. Oh man, I that was a pass well, for me. Listen, I really like how it started. I, I never even I never finished it, so that says something. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I, I I just thought it had a cool kind of uh, uh, feel to it. Um, yeah. I listened to uh, 
Richie Sambora and Les Paul doing it. Richie Sambora <laughs> and Les Paul. Yes, I listened to that as well. Did, wait, um, Jordan, did you hear the Low Cut Connie or the Richie Sambora and Les Paul? No, I don't think so. Uh, okay, you, you don't need to. Uh, but Neil, <laughs> Neil, Neil, you were talking about what? What did you think about the Richie Sambora? Um, it was cool. It was just very polished. It was very uh, painting in between the lines. There, um, they just played it just like Paul. Um, yeah. Um, which you know, it basically it's just the namesake. It was. It's just cool to say those names together. Like, there's really nothing oh, more absolutely. to it than that. Absolutely. Did uh, Did Jordan mention the Jerry Band one? Yeah, Jordan mentioned okay. Jerry Garcia Band, which is like Jordan said, it's a snoozer. It's a snoozer. It's like a different tune. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. They they change it all up, um, but <laughs> but as always, when it gets to the jam, Jerry's killing it. Um, yeah. Well, I made sure to get that far because I was like, I don't like this. And I was like, well, let me let me wait for the jam. I'd be interested if Steve Vai did a cover. The the only other one I listened to was uh, Fiona Apple and the Roots on... Uh, I did not uh, hear Fiona Rap- Apple and the Roots. I did not even see that. Well, it was on uh, Jimmy Fallon's show. Um, and they played it too slow. The riff really melts down if you play it oh. too slow. Yeah, I could see that. And yes, Jordan, uh, Vai would be cool to hear him play this song. Um Jordan, did you have any more that you heard? No, not that I not that I can think of off the top of my head. I mean, I heard the ones that you sent. Well, the the only other one that I would point out is Brandon Benson, which is not my favorite, but he does a harmonica solo in the breakdown, which is great. Well, that sounds fun. Which is a cool choice, um, but otherwise, the rest of the song is whatever. And then the Melvins did it live with some not good vocals for the song, but the music sounds great. I mean, it's hard. It's Unless you slow it down like you guys are talking about, it's hard to really fuck up the, the the riff. You know, I mean, if you play it like it is, it's gonna sound pretty kick ass. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, playing it like it is, like we always do, uh, it's time to get to the shoe fitting portion of the podcast. So, Neil, how does the shoe fit for Let Me Roll It? Yes, the shoe fits well. It fits like a high end leather basket weaved like sandal. Um, yeah, I'm imagining Paul sitting in his 70s casual attire on the back porch of his huge mansion, rolling a J and uh, writing his lyrics. For me, the shoe fits like, it's like a new pair of like slick black dress shoes that I'm super happy about, like styling and profiling when I get to my destination. But then I got to take them off after a while because they're, you know, my feet hurt. I, I love it at first, and then I'm like, all right, I've heard it. I've had them enough. I've had it enough. I've had enough of these. So, so Jordan, how does the shoe fit? I'd say some really comfy boots, like some black leather boots. No, maybe like a, maybe like a dark brown leather boot. A dark brown leather boot. Are, super, we, are they super, clean? Or are super they worn in. Super worn in. Okay, worn in. Yep. So, so we're like we're not we're not necessarily taking these out to the desert. We're, we're taking them to like a. A dive bar, or what? What are we doing with them? Dive bar in the desert. Dive bar in the. We're going to Pappy and Harris. We're going to see Paul at Pappy and Harris. Sitting by a fireplace, smoking, smoking a cig. Yeah, yeah. You got the smoking <laughs> a cig. You got the boots up on the like right next to the fireplace, where they're yep. probably they're, they're you know they could not be burning the soles, but they're they're warming them up for you. You're questioning how long you can keep them there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like it. Okay, well, on that note, our cover of. Paul McCartney and Wings, let me roll it. 
cover you just heard was performed by Josh Bond. Thanks for listening to Pod Gave Rock and Roll to you. If you like what you heard, please rate and subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram under the handle at Pod Gave Rock. Next week, Josh, it's your week. What are we going to listen to? We are going to discuss Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, American Girl. Can't wait! <laughs>